Ever since you can remember, you felt something in your chest telling you to move, to love, to speak, to try. Day after day, you pretend you don't hear it calling, or maybe you dismiss it as silliness or worse. But it's there, ready for you, and it will wait for you as long as you need. My name is John G, and I invite you to join me on a journey of awakening as we dare to embrace our light. This is Refractive. everybody. Welcome to another episode of Refractive. My guest today is Brian Bogert, and he is a human behavior and performance coach. He's a speaker, a business strategist, top sales professional, and a philanthropic leader. Through his own growth journey, he's built a life around helping people become their best self by embracing radical authenticity. And this revolutionary strategy that he's developed to work with his clients, it embraces pain to avoid suffering. And he helps individuals and companies break beyond their normal to achieve success, freedom, and authenticity. So I'm really happy to have you on the podcast today, Brian. That bio is, it could be the bio for this podcast. It is, uh, it's my jam. It gels with me and I'm excited to talk with you. Well, dude, I'm, I'm happy to be here. I mean, every single time you and I connect, it's, we connect, right? Yeah. And, uh, and I think there's a major alignment here. So I'm just happy to be here. And you built a platform that I get to pour my soul into your audience. And man, that's what it's all about. Yeah, for sure. You know, I've talked on lots of episodes already about the concept of expectations, that expectations, we're, we're programmed with these societal expectations that I need to break a six-figure income and I need to own a house by the time I'm X age and I need to get married and I, I, I need this stuff. And if I don't, my life doesn't feel right. It just doesn't feel, it feels like I'm faulty, like I'm broken. And so much of my own journey has been learning which of those expectations feels nourishing and feels good for me and which of those expectations I've just kind of blindly accepted over the years. And I know that's a big part of the work that you do Huge. with your clients. And so what are some of your find foundational thoughts on this whole idea of the pain of expectations that don't belong to us? Yeah. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to riff on this for a second because there's two places I want to take it. <clears throat> the first is how do we develop into this and where do we as individuals start and where do the narratives start to shape us throughout time and then lastly it's like what does the narrative cause us to do which is to chase the what so we're going to unpack those both quickly yeah. feel free to interrupt me at any point if you're like hey let's talk about that further but let's, let's um this this is just my view right this does not mean that this is the way that it is this is how i view the world um you know i genuinely believe that we are born as our absolute brightest shining light our most authentic selves Yes. Period. End of story. We are born <laughs> as our brightest, authentic, burning light that we will ever be, frankly. Yeah. And anybody who has kids or has been around kids knows that the rawness, the genuineness, like the, the lack of boundaries, the vulnerable, authentic self shows up right out of the gate. Yep. And then what happens? Parents, teachers, coaches, employers start layering on all these narratives around yes. who they should be, who we should be. 
Mm -hmm. right? You should do this. You shouldn't do that. You should be this. You shouldn't be that. You should chase this amount of income. You shouldn't chase that amount of income. You shouldn't be happy. You should focus on the external definition of success. You shouldn't feel you should shove everything down and show up with a smile on your face because that's what the world tells us to do. Yeah. Right. And then what happens? Right. We all of a sudden start to become literally this armored shell of all these narratives that are wrapped around us and who we once were is we're just like an empty vessel of who we once were. Yes. Yes. Right. Because we end up chasing this. Many of those things that we don't necessarily even necessarily feel, like you said, align with who we are. But if this is how we need to be in the world, let's do it. Right. And then what happens? We wake up one day and we realize we're miserable. Yeah. All of those shoulds, right? Should in and of itself is a shame-based word. (laughs) Because it implies that whatever you're doing isn't good enough. Yes, exactly. So I'm on a mission to remove the word should from our language because it has very few actual positive applications. And instead, I want us to start saying, what could I do differently? What would I do in that scenario? Let's replace should with could and would. And let's start focusing on allowing ourselves to get there. Because the only way we get back to that bright burning light is once we've shed the layers of everything the world has put on top of us. Yes. The what is what we are trained to chase. What? The narratives that I just outlined. House, job, car, spouse, amount of money, amount of external success. We chase the what because that's what we are conditioned to do by parents, coaches, teachers, employers. Exactly. Chase the what because that's what the world will accept you for. Mm -hmm. Think about it too. What is one of the first questions someone asks you when they first meet you? What do you want to be when you grow up? Or oh, oh, I'm thinking what about do you do? as kids, as kids. Sorry. Yeah, no, no, but but that's a great question, right? That is a what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. It automatically forces this linear thinking, and then once you're a grown up, it's what do you do? Yeah, yeah. It's no longer what do you want to be when you grow up? Yeah. And almost never is it who are you? Mm-hmm. And even when you ask someone who they are. of the time, they're going to answer with what they do. Right. Yeah. We've lost clarity on who we are Mm -hmm. and we chase the what. And again, no different than what I just talked about that bright burning light with the shoulds. We chase the what we may accomplish the what. And then one day we wake up and realize we've lost the who in the process. Yeah. And we're miserable. We're stuck. We're afraid. We're insecure. We have all these negative emotions bubbling up, but, but I can't, I can't step out and talk about that because the world told me I can't. Yeah. And I can't actually fight to become who I want to be because the world has told me they're not going to accept me for who that is. Right. And so what's super important around expectations is we've got to realign with who you are, who each individual person is. And the what's in the world just happen to become that much more powerful because they're a manifestation of the who Mm -hmm. versus the who becoming a manifestation of the what, which is where people lose themselves. Yeah. And we got to be gentle with ourselves because what you just talked about, it's, it's an entire, it's the culmination of all human society that has built up this programming. And so it's, it's normal. It's, it's expected that we, that we lose ourselves, right? It's, it's, it's understandable that we lose ourselves through the process of growing and developing, uh, you know, because what I find is when you ignore that gentle voice, that small voice of intuition inside you, 
over time, it gets quieter and quieter and quieter. And although it never goes away, it's always there. It just fades into the background and then you have to proactively listen to it. So there's the reprogramming that we do, you and I do so much with clients and that, that, that it's really the key to freedom in life is learning to really acknowledge what your insides are telling you is the path to fulfillment, passion, love. It's everything. Yeah. It's everything. I mean, that's, that's literally what it is. I mean, you and I've talked, I mean, I'm on a mission to impact a billion lives by 2045. Yeah. And what that means is that I want to help reduce the level of suffering on this planet, Mm -hmm. right? The suffering that exists is a whole lot of reasons connected to what we just talked about in the very beginning. It's expectations versus who people really want to be. Yeah. And so the only way that we can reduce the level of, like when we reduce the level of suffering, it's the only way, frankly, that joy, freedom, and fulfillment can start to exist in people's lives. It's the Mm -hmm. only way, frankly, that people can believe that they can be authentically who they are and that the world will receive them and appreciate and support them for exactly who they are. Yeah. And oh, by the way, vulnerability and authenticity are the glue that binds human connection. Mm-hmm. It's not a surprise that we suffer at the level that we do with the amount of polarization and pol- politization on any given topic these days, because all it does is separate us. Mm-hmm. We all desire human connection. Yeah. Vulnerability and authenticity are the glue that binds it. So impacting a billion lives is literally about reducing the level of suffering so that we can have all those things. I know what it's like to suffer. I've been there. I know what it's like to change the one and lose who I am and wake up one day making a ton of money and being miserable in who I am. Yes. I also know what it's like to silence my own voice because the world has told me that it's not good enough. Right. And I know what it feels like on the other side. I know how bad that feels and nobody deserves to feel that way. Mm-hmm. And on the flip side, I, over the last period of time, have chased 100% authentically who I am for the first time in my entire adult life. Yes. In the last 18 to 24 months, mm-hmm. I'm happier. I'm more fulfilled. I'm having more fun. I'm more free. And I feel more like myself than I have in my entire life. And it just yes. so happens that again, all the what's in my life are blowing up compared mm-hmm. to all the force and effort I had to put into the what's in my prior period of life. Yeah. Um, it's, it, it only further proves the point that I'm on this planet to do, which is to help people understand who they are mm-hmm. and love and appreciate themselves and love and appreciate others for who they are. Mm-hmm. My listeners, uh, they're going to roll their eyes when I mention this person again, because I talk about her on so many of the episodes, but one of my favorite spiritual teachers, her name is Byron Katie. And she, uh, she has this process to help people uncover uh, the truth in order to fall in love with what is. And so she asked oh, wow. over and over, is it true? Is it true? So we think about like, if I don't get my kid into this, pre-K, my kid is not going to have the best chance at life. And we need to say like, wait, is that, is it true? Maybe it is like, let's just, but let's not assume let's peel back the layers and let's just look, is it true that your, that your kid won't have the best life if he doesn't go to this school? And, you know, a lot of times when we really think for ourselves and feel for ourselves, the answer is no. What I believed was true. What I believed was right is not. It's somebody else's truth. And that's great for them. These things, money's not bad, right? Pursuing. Oh, no, no. By no means did anything I say have anything to do with negative on money. No, these goals that society gives, they're not bad. You know, just make sure that the mix of the goals you accept is right for you. 
It's the right. Correct. That's it. Is is that people chase the external definition of success? Very rarely do they chase success based on their terms. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's one of the first questions I ask people in my first couple of sessions working with people is, how do you define success? Yeah. Right. And it's just interesting because a lot of people haven't even thought about that. How do I define success? Yeah. And I think what's beautiful about what you just shared about the, the question, I'm going to, I know nothing about her, frankly, and I feel like already I'm drawn to her work and want to mm -hmm. do some, uh, do some research. So by all means, please, we'll have to connect afterwards and you can share that with me. But yeah, but the interesting thing about that as well is I didn't used to believe this, but I believe it holistically now. Those that truly become free, those that truly get to the next level are the ones that recognize that there are two narratives constantly telling us stories, constantly lying and constantly often conflicting with each other. Mm -hmm. And that's our intellectual narratives and our emotional narratives. Mm -hmm. Many of us are hardwired to operate dominant on one side. Mm -hmm. I am dominant on the intellectual side. And it was only further conditioned with an early childhood injury, which we may talk about today, we may not. But the point is, is that it really honed, like I went up in my head, I created mental toughness, I created an intellectual narrative. And when I was experiencing the amount of physical pain that I did, I also shut off emotional pain that I didn't realize until well into my 30s. Yeah. And yeah. those that truly unlock and go to the next level, and this is a lot of the work that I do as well, is not just asking, is it true? But asking, is my intellectual narrative true? Is my emotional narrative true? Are they both true? Yeah. Is one lying to me? Are both lying to me? And for those individuals to really clearly identify with who they are, we've got to think about our thinking, yeah. feel our feeling, think yeah. about our feeling and feel our thinking. Yes. We have to understand that it's not just one narrative that we're asking the question about. And in this particular case, with that example, if my kid gets into the school, you're going to have an intellectual and an emotional narrative around that. Mm -hmm. And you've got to balance and regulate between those two because emotionally you may just believe that this is the best chance and intellectually, you can talk yourself down and say, yep, this is an external narrative, but I still feel it's right for my kid. Yeah, yeah. Right? Yeah. And so that may cause you to go ahead, despite the fact that you recognize which part is a lie and yeah. make that decision. Yeah. So I think that's just one pivot I wanted to extend on, mm -hmm. because that's what I think a lot of people don't pay attention to, is that we actually have two really strong narratives if we're listening. Yes, it's beautiful. And, you know, why do so many religions focus on contemplation, meditation, quiet time. It's because yes. the answer to anything you could ever need to know is in the stillness, yeah. right? If you get still enough, you can get the answer to any question. True. It might not be something I can do right now in five minutes. It may take years of honing that skill, right? But it, the whole process is to unprogram this uh, right. muffle that we put on top of that guidance. And it, it's not something you can do overnight. No, it, and, and that take, I mean, I think so meditation and stillness, I mean, that it's years in practice before you even start to really feel the effects of it, where you actually, I think can get answers. I think some people can shorten that curve, mm -hmm. but I know for me, it was, it was probably 24 to 36 months before I actually started getting mm -hmm. a heightened level of consciousness, even in my awake state and being able to turn to stillness to connect my mind and my body and yeah. elevate myself out of my mind and my body in a way that I actually could let wisdom flow through me versus having to access knowledge. That's right. That's I mean, right. it took time. And by the way, I'm still practicing it. That's one of my greatest focuses right now is I actually have a meditation coach that I work with once a week because uh, my singular amazing. greatest focus is that if I continue to elevate down this path on a high, highest level of consciousness, yeah. 
get out. Of, I mean, game over, like whatever I'm going to want to <laughs> manifest into this world, I'm going to chase it. And I don't say that to impress. I say it to impress past upon the point. Yes. The answer to everything you need in life can be found in stillness. Yes. I mean, 100%. And I, I look at the path that kind of led me to where I, to what I'm doing today, right? Which is stepping outside of the corporate environment, which I was a part of for 16 years, um, moving to the middle of Maine um, in a cabin, right? Like in near isolation. Um, but all of this stuff, you know, going on a two month road trip uh, when my lease ended and using my rent money to, 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 to pay for that. So I could go explore like all these national parks and whatnot, like all of this stuff. These are things that I would never have considered before. The idea of not having an address, putting my stuff in storage and just going, driving until I'm tired of driving and finding a motel night after night for two months. Like that's something that sounds crazy town. Like what? But that's what my inside told me to do. It was like, there's this opportunity for you to take advantage and to take something that some people might see as uh, stressful or anxious and weave it into something that's good for you, beautiful yeah. for you. And, and you, you, know, probably, you probably found a lot of yourself on that trip. Absolutely, absolutely. But it, it, it takes the willingness to challenge the conventions, you know, challenge the conventions. Well, and oh, by the way, I mean, that, that goes into one of the concepts that, you know, I, I preach on. It's this idea of embracing pain to avoid suffering. What is right? that? When you talk about challenging the narratives, when you talk about challenging, like what it is, it's, you know, the world literally tells us to reduce, eliminate or avoid pain. Right. And I'm telling you that the world is absolutely wrong. Yes. Okay. So what's interesting about this, let's, let's first understand what pain and suffering are quickly. And then, and then I'll tell you what the concept is. And then if we want to, we can unpack the steps to teach people how to do it. If not just the concept alone will typically spark thought for folks. For sure. So pain is literally defined as short-term intermittent a direct cause from something and alleviated and healed once that direct cause is removed. Then as you know, human beings, we screw everything up. We put adjectives in front of it, like acute and chronic. Well, acute maintains the definition. Chronic inherently changes it because it implies that it's no longer short-term. It's no longer intermittent. And it persists even after that direct cause is removed. Mm -hmm. Now we call it chronic pain because I think in a lot of ways it makes us feel better because suffering sounds a whole lot worse. Yeah. But it, if it's not, if it's unrelenting, doesn't go away after the direct causes are removed, it's not chronic pain, it's suffering. Mm -hmm. Okay. And we don't want to admit that suffering exists, particularly when it's a direct result of our choices. Yes. Right. Whereas pain gets tons and tons of attention because mm -hmm. we feel it. It's real time and our, our, our tendencies to avoid it, which is a natural evolutionary response to yes. survive, yes. which we no longer need to rely on as much in today's world. Mm -hmm. Okay. So let's, let's, let's understand this for a second. We can embrace the pain of hitting the gym for 30 minutes a day to avoid the suffering of aches and pains of a sedentary lifestyle. There you go. We can embrace the pain of a difficult conversation with a loved one or spouse to avoid the suffering of remaining in a loveless marriage that's gonna end in divorce or frankly being stuck in a marriage when we know we want divorce. Yes. We can embrace the pain of a difficult, or of the fit our kids are sure to throw by having them put down their mobile devices at the dinner table to avoid the suffering of years lost, meaningful connection and conversation that we'll never get back. Mm -hmm. We can embrace the pain of walking away from having an address and exploring the country over a two month period to help find ourselves, mm -hmm. to avoid the suffering of not ever knowing what that experience would be or what you would actually find in that journey. Yeah. Right. And the list goes on. Yeah. Right. It's just that we often pay attention to like where and how do we do these things. And, you know, we always talk about get uncomfortable uh, or, you know, get comfortable getting uncomfortable. 
which is a part of it. But discomfort is kind of the 5K to Payne's Marathon. And so we've got to pay attention to the fact that like it's those little moments of discomfort that help us condition ourselves to be able to also turn into the pain. But I'll tell you this definitively. I believe that we all must choose our pain or our suffering will choose us. Mm -hmm. And a lot of the suffering comes from those external narratives and expectations that have been placed upon us versus us honoring who we are. Mm -hmm. And so we can all choose our pain or our suffering can choose us. Yes. Boy, that's, that's so powerful. And, you know, pain is, it's a check engine light. It means something needs attention and it's a gift. It's a gift. You know, when my leg is broken, it hurts like hell, but it's telling me, stop, don't put weight on it. Right. You know what I mean? And pain is always like that. It's, 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 there's a, an axiom in, uh, there's an axiom in the recovery community. Uh, and you want to talk about avoiding pain, right? Like compulsion is based in pain avoidance. Of course Uh, it is. It's numbing. Yeah, exactly. But there's this axiom that says that, uh, pain is the touchstone of spiritual growth. And, you know, I mean, tell me about it. You got to dig into that pain. You got to peel back those layers. If you want to understand what's making yourself tick and, uh, and how to grow. Yeah. What has the process been like as you kind of have observed people you work with digging deeper into the pain? They almost instantaneously feel lighter. Mm -hmm. Once they've actually been able to understand the root of the pain and they address the pain and they move and embrace through the pain, they really do eliminate suffering. I'll give you, I'll give you a couple examples. Um, uh, one, I'm, I'm working with somebody very recently over the course of the last couple of months, and I'm not going to give details of, of their life, but, sure. but I will tell you that they had some very, very dark, dramatic, traumatic things happen in their life. Stuff mm-hmm. that like you can't write novels or movies about. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's almost the worst of the worst that could happen to people mm-hmm. and what they were exposed to over a period of, ter- period of time. They literally have verbalized that they were like a crab on the bottom of the ocean, building up a wall of shells around themselves because they just didn't feel like they wanted to one, put that burden on others. They didn't feel validated in their feelings. And they felt like they're just always going to be this way, that they're always going to suffer. They're always going to be miserable. They're not going to have these things in a period of three months. And I'm talking like six to seven major, major events over the period of about a decade in formative years for this person. Um, so many things had been uh, really covered for this individual, but they couldn't be vulnerable. And they were carrying this heavy weight called armor. They thought that they were protecting themselves, but really what was happening is the weight of the armor was crushing this person and burking them over time. Yeah. Okay. So we worked through really understanding what the root of some of these things were. And in a matter of 30 to 45 days, this person vocalized almost 90% of these things to the people that mattered, to the ones that were closest. I mean, when I say that they'd never told anybody, up to and including their spouse and their parents didn't know some of this stuff. I was the very first person that in 30 years, this person has chosen to speak with about this stuff. She took action on these things because she knew what suffering looked like, right? And went into action to alleviate the burden of the weight that these things were causing on their insides just by vocalizing it. Yeah. And just by mere vocalizing it, she felt instantaneously lighter. Now, that doesn't mean the work is done. That's where it gets misleading. It's not just about vocalizing something. You still have to put in the work to heal. But 
What happens in those scenarios when you don't vocalize, when you don't feel, you don't heal. So that wound that is there at best will scab over, but it's going to abscess. It's going to cause issues in your life. It's going to manifest in different ways until you actually rip off the scab, get to the root of what's going on, clean it up. That wound won't heal. It won't scar over. Yeah. And so you're going to constantly have an open wound that you're going to be exposed to until you put in the work to feel in order to heal. So that's just one example of many, yeah. but people feel lighter. They feel more free. They feel more like who they are and they don't have to carry this external weight. Just because you can carry it doesn't mean it's not heavy. Right. Exactly. Exactly. You know, we don't have to live that way. No, we've, it's, how can I say this? You know, pain is mandatory, but suffering is optional. optional. Yeah. And and we don't have to live a life of grinding and struggle internally. Uh, you just don't have to. There is another oh. option. You can if that's if that's if that's how you get through, and there doesn't seem to be another way, and you don't have another idea or other resources. Look, that's fine. If that's your path, that's your path. But it's not required. There is a way, and uh, uh, it, it's about. It's about digging deep and understanding what's making you tick. And, you know, are these things, are these beliefs that we have, are they true? Are they coming from me or are they, are they telling me a lie? You know, yeah. are they telling me a lie? So when we look at this concept of living a life that's not necessarily authentic, when I talk to people, I've talked to people informally, not clients and stuff, but I've talked to people informally and said, yeah, but like, do you really need your next job to be more like to, to make more money? Like, what if, what if you made 10 or $15,000 less? Like, wouldn't you still be it's like, absolutely not? Like, I don't leave a job unless I earn more money. And, and so it's one thing to say, yes, let's question this programming. Let's question these beliefs, but so many people can't see a path to even believing that their thoughts might not be accurate. So what, what are some ways that you have seen that are successful in helping people kind of unprogram these beliefs? Yeah. So I think just like pain perspective points us at what's important. Mm -hmm. So I think bringing perspective into people's worlds, whether it's done by a coach or they seek it themselves, either one is, is effective. I think a lot of times people don't, they feel silly to feel the way they feel. They feel like not worthy to feel the way they feel. And it might be, I'm in a miserable job. It is what it is, but I need to pay the bills. They dismiss it. Right. So it's like challenging the not the thought process and the narrative. I will tell you for the one client that I just talked about, she literally believed it was impossible for her to feel joy. Mm-hmm. He literally believed that it was impossible to feel human connection and yeah. a bond with someone. Yeah. Yeah. And in a matter of 30 to 45 days by working through it, she literally has said, I just proved the impossible possible. There you go. Mm -hmm. Now the techniques can be different for each person. And it depends on the type of pain, the type of things that they're experiencing, the narratives that they're buying into. But I think on the professional front, there's a couple ways to look at it. I'm not a believer that, everybody can align their purpose and their passion with their profession. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I am a believer that people don't need to exist in a toxic culture. <laughs> There's a lot of toxic cultures 
And so some people are like, well, yeah, I mean, it's not what I care about. So I just go and I'm going to endure all this just unnecessary berating in this toxic shame-based culture that I operate in because it pays the bills. Yeah. Well, that's typically an emotional trigger that's keeping them stuck. So what I find is most people who have something that they need to challenge from a narrative perspective, the perspective that I'll offer to those individuals, because I think perspective points us at what's important is, it's typically not a combination of the wrong strategy or tactics. Most of the time, it's a combination of emotional triggers, behavioral patterning, and environmental conditioning that keeps people in that self-defeating place. Yeah. So is it that you feel unworthy of being treated with respect in your workplace? Mm-hmm. Right? Is there a shame or a worth issue that you need to work through? Mm-hmm. Are you afraid of what's next? Yeah. I think you've got to really tap into what are the emotions that are keeping you there? Yeah, understand because- what the root of it is. And, it, and oftentimes it has nothing to do with what's right in front of you. No. It's something way back in your past in history that you've been right. conditioned into that you don't even see. And so you just chalk it up to be like, oh, well, I guess my spouse is upset at me because I loaded the dishwasher wrong. When in reality, it has nothing to do with loading the dishwasher wrong. It has something to do with how you've talked to her about how that triggers a relationship with her grandfather from 40 years ago. Right. I realized that was a really hard sidebar when I just gave the dishwasher example. But my point is like, that's what people don't pay attention to. They don't pay attention to and they deny their own internal voice. Yes, because sometimes, you know, if you ask someone, well, is it about a self-worth issue? Is it about a shame issue? Their honest answer is no, but that's because um, through coping and and healing and scabbing over, right. like we may not recognize that it really is a self-worth issue. Like, and it takes someone that you trust, someone Correct. who's, 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 who you believe is holding your agenda for you to Correct. say, I got to tell you, you say no, but here are the two or three red flags that pop up for me that, uh, you know, maybe this deserves a second look. Yeah. No, I think you're exactly right. And that's why I say it's not about just a coach. I, in fact, I think there's many people on this planet who aren't even ready for a coach. They haven't put in the work to get to the point where a coach is going to be as effective as possible. But I do think that you need to find that outside influence. So it might be a spouse, it might be a parent, it might yeah. be a good friend, it might even be a kid, depending on you know the relationship and the ages. Uh, but I do think that perspective is important. So seek that external perspective. Uh, and then the other thing that I, I, I have found, and I, I know that you just, you, you gave this example. I very rarely ask somebody whenever possible a yes or no question mm-hmm. when I'm working with them in a coaching capacity. Mm-hmm. And the reason is, right, had somebody asked me if I dealt with shame, I would have said no. And two things would have happened. One, I would have not been aware to it because I wasn't for a long time in my life. And then two, I would have been defensive to it because I'm like, what do you mean? Like, no, I'm not suffering from shame and worth. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Right? And so I think that information gathering, and so this is really more speaking to those people, those external sources, right? Coaches, mentors, teachers, whatever. Ask questions to gather enough enough information so that it's not even a question as to whether or not they're experiencing worth and shame. You've got such a body of information to be able to point to those red flags without ever having to put them on the defensive. And if you just embed the language appropriately, people start to come to their own conclusions. They're like, oh, I haven't even thought about that. Yeah. And all of a sudden it translates to action. It's more intrinsic. The trust is super important though. And I'm really happy that you said that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I find that often, if you ask somebody about an emotional state they're in, just as a yes or no question, they're going to, they're literally going to answer no more times than not. <laughs> yes. 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 And I know you know that. So that wasn't to you. That was to everybody listening. I love it. I love it. 
Um, so Brian, kind of as we reach uh, the last part of the episode today, I want to kind of give some nuggets for the listeners to walk away. You know, people who uh, would like to have some quiet time to consider what are some um, obstacles that I've built for myself? What are some beliefs that I may have accepted that are no longer serving me? Maybe at one time they were, but they're not today. And, you know, from for me, I'd like to ask you to make, uh, to give some advice and some suggestions on how they can work on this um, in their own quiet time. For me, I love journaling and writing questions. You know, uh, when it comes to my family life, what do I believe needs to happen, right? Something as open as that. And then just write, write for 10 minutes, write. And if you get to a point where you don't know what to write next, just keep writing the last sentence you wrote over and over and over again until another sentence comes to your mind and keep writing. And then once you finish, go back and read it and you know question that and maybe talk it over with another member of your family, yeah. uh, a spouse or, or someone who's trusted and saying, does any of this ring true? Like, does any of this need a second look? And, and I feel like for me, journaling is how I got the guts to leave my corporate career. Journaling is how I decided to become a coach. Journaling gave me all those answers because it allowed me to pour myself in those quiet moments into one intention, which was uh, uncover the inner message. And yep. so that's what I'd like to share with people. If they believe you're holding yourself back, you're, you're accepting expectations that, that, that aren't authentic to you, write about it. And you might be surprised at what comes up. Um, what do you have to offer with people about how to dig deeper in that? Yeah, so I have uh, a bunch of things, but I'll keep it really short and sweet on this one. I'm, I'm, I will second your journaling. Uh, I'm a big fan of journaling. I think that sometimes just getting it out of your body and mind is really, really cathartic. And oftentimes, if you don't have somebody that you can talk to or someone that you can trust, your journal you can trust. Mm -hmm. And so, because it's yours, it's your thoughts, your own intention, and you get to determine what's written on that page. And so I think I do agree with journaling. I'm going to also say, though, I think that open-ended journaling is also a really effective mm -hmm. way. So like yeah, you talked about a really primed, like prompted type of journaling, yep. answering specific questions. That's very effective. And I appreciate that. But I also think that sometimes just sitting down and writing or if you are feeling sad, upset, frustrated, scared, I don't care what the emotion is, even happy, just yeah. write about it. Yeah. What made you feel that way? What, like where and how has this manifested in your life? Where does this pattern repeat itself? Like just literally just write open-ended about it. I think that can be very effective. The other thing that I'm gonna say, and this is really real right now for a lot of people because we were all knocked out of autopilot a year ago, right? And all of a sudden it's like, we're having to reclaim back some influence and control in our lives, so many people. Mm -hmm. And because we were operating on autopilot, we also were operating the unconscious. What we know is that the mind processes 11 million bits of information per second, we're only consciously or about 40. So what that says is we're largely led by the unconscious. So it's no surprise that so many people feel like victims and like life is fate and that they have no influence or control over their destinies. Mm -hmm. But how often would you get up in the morning, go through the exact same morning routine, get to the office, and you don't even remember the first two hours of your day because it was just so routinized. Yeah. Now is a great opportunity to take toll and literally make two lists. One list is what are the things that bring me joy? What are the things that keep my, my energy up? What are the things that you know, make me feel inspired, desired, make me feel like I've got something to live for, that 
are the people that are complementary around me, the sources of information, whether news or whatever that I put through my body that, that make me feel good. Yeah. And right? you feel like good about myself and everything, right? Everything, everything, Obviously. like just write it all down. Right. What are all the positive, good, influential sources in your world? Yeah. Now the opposite to that is what are the areas that are toxic? What are the areas that are negative? What are the areas that make me feel depleted? What are the areas that make me feel unappreciated? Yeah. What are the, and the people and the sources literally write down those two lists. You know what it feels like to feel good. And you know what it feels like to feel not so good. Yeah. So this list shouldn't be difficult other than it's going to cause you to be really honest because you might have people on this list that are your family members. That's you right. might, your job might be the greatest source of stress and toxicity in your life. And mm. that causes you to then to have a level of awareness to say, how do I take action on this? Yeah. Because the goal then is once you have these two lists, move as many to the positive list as possible and try to eliminate or remove as many of these that aren't positive sources in your life. You can't get rid of all of them. Right. I, I just I give that right out of the gate. Like there might be reasons why you can't get rid of all of them, but you can at least remove as many as possible. So yeah. that is a tool that I use with lots of people, because the stuff that's on this side of the list is probably more authentically you. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And it's not to say that what's over here or over here is good or bad. Don't put a label on it. It's how does it make you feel? Yeah. Your list might be 180 degrees opposite from my list. Mm. That's OK. It's not about me versus you. It's about you knowing what is right for you. Yes. And so that's what I would just, I would, I would give that as a very specific tool for people to walk through. Because mm -hmm. um, it's, it's at least the starting place if you have no idea who you are. That's right. And I mean, just to give an endorsement to that, uh, that exercise, making that list of what brought me joy, which was brought about by the fact that several people asked me if I was happy and I, I couldn't, I couldn't answer. And making that list was the spark that changed my life. And so it is Fantastic. incredibly powerful. It is so yeah. powerful. Yeah. Brian, Fantastic. I am so grateful for you uh, to join the podcast today and share your experience and wisdom with the listeners. And um, if listeners want to learn more about you and uh, discover more of your messaging and maybe contact you for some help, how can they do that? Yeah. So brianbogert.com is my website. It's probably the best place. It's got all my social handles, which are at Bogert Brian on pretty much all of them. Um, but you know, to impact a billion lives, we put out a lot of free content because I'm very intimately aware that 99.9999999% of those people will never pay us a dollar. Right. And I'm completely okay with that. And yeah. so what you'll notice is there's lots of content that gets pushed out. That's genuinely there just designed to help you. Yeah. Um, one of those free pieces of content, if you're interested, you can also go to nolimitsprelude.com. And what it is, is it's a synced download of a lot of our coaching philosophies in questions to lead you on that own intrinsic journey. Nice. Start teaching you how to embrace the pain to avoid suffering. And by the way, that might be all you ever need from us. And if it is, take it and run. Yeah. I have no expectation beyond that. If you are interested in some support beyond that, great. All of our contact information is on there. Um, but we only want to help if and how we can, um, not just to be there to help. So raise your hand if it's, if it's something that we can be with you on that journey. So whether you know who you are, whether you have no idea who you are and where to start or you're somewhere in between this, this resource will be of value to you. Awesome. And can you spell your website for listeners on the podcast? Yep. It's Brian with an I, B-R-I-A-N and then B-O-G-E-R-T.com. All right. Perfect. Thank you, Brian. I, uh, I'm grateful for you being with us today and I hope you uh, have an amazing rest of the week. Thank you, brother. You have been listening to Refractive Podcast and this is Johnny G. If you've enjoyed today's episode, do me a favor, give it a share on social media, or if you're in the podcast app, give it a rating. If you're on YouTube, click like. It really does make a difference in the search results. 
I am a speaker, coach, and facilitator based in Washington, D.C., but I work in person and remotely with people who are ready to step with clarity into their most authentic life. If I can be of service, reach out to me, Johnny, J-O-H-N-N-Y, at refractivecoaching.com. Have an amazing day. Be good to each other. And always remember, aim your light.